John chapter 12, verses 12 to 13. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome to the new space as we, uh, a lot of that, so we'll give one second. If you want, I can use uh, the other mic. Welcome. <laughs> good morning. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, welcome again to Ed City. My name is Justin. I am one of the pastors here. Uh, I am the community pastor here for Ed City. Thank you for being with us here this morning as we even navigate this new space itself as we figure, uh, as we figure out all the logistics. But uh, even this Sunday itself, this is Palm Sunday. Uh, for those who are Christians, you are very familiar with this day and also knowing that Good Friday and Easter is just around the corner. Uh, and with all of these celebrations that are coming around, it's a good reminder for us to remember exactly what these days even look like and what it means. And so for today, I get the honor and privilege just to share with you a few words uh, from God's uh, Holy Scripture to us this morning uh, about Palm Sunday and what that may look like, maybe even to challenge, if anything, a lot of our thoughts when it comes to Palm Sunday. Because my hope and goal here is to unpack a word that I think Jesus spoke great and much about, and that is the gospel of the kingdom. 
Because when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the passage that we just read from the book of John, we see that he came in and the people praised and, and worshipped him and honored him as king. But the message that Jesus brought was something that was life-challenging, life-changing to all the people that are there. And that came and, and called him to be the king. And as the story goes, and as you may have received those palm branches with you in your hands, in the same way as Jesus marched into Jerusalem, waving those palm branches, hailing him as the king. But see, here's the thing. The king that they wanted, the king that they desired for, was the king that what they wanted specifically in their heart. And they wanted to picture Jesus a specific way, a way that they wanted the king to be. But in reality, Jesus came in a whole different new way, a new light, a new direction. He basically came in and told the people, there is a new sheriff in town. And he's going to turn people's hearts back from all the other false kings that are there in the culture and turn it to who Jesus is. See, the word kingdom itself that Jesus talks about, even through the various different gospel books, but specifically in the book of Luke, it's a word I think might be actually foreign to a lot of us in our American culture. Because those contexts, it just doesn't make any sense unless you've been watching some medieval movies or shows or there, that you may get the concept of understanding of what this word kingdom even means. And I want to unpack that for us because Jesus spoke highly about that, the gospel of the kingdom. And this is what he was declaring and proclaiming as he marched in to the city. Just like the people in the passage that we just read, even in our own hearts, even today, we have our own image and thoughts and ideas of who Jesus is. We come with our own expectations of who King Jesus is. But who is he? What is this gospel of the kingdom that he talked about so much? Who is it? What is this message that we could take apart? See, growing up, at least for me, I'm not sure about your contexts, but I've always heard the salvation messages and sermons two to maybe three times in a week in itself. You may have heard it where it was summarized as you're separated from God by your sins and you're going to hell. Repent and accept Jesus Christ as Savior and you will be saved and you will be with him in heaven in eternity. Now I believe that. I affirm that. I, I agree with that. And I understood and believed that itself just to be the gospel. But I think there's much more deeper that Jesus wanted to explore and expound on. What is the gospel of the kingdom that Christ constantly talked about? And that's what I want us to challenge us here this morning. Because I felt that, that once I believed in this truth, Jesus brought me on a journey that the gospel actually touches every aspect of our life, every area, every domain. And he wants to speak into that in great lengths. So what is that? What gospel have you followed and listened to closely of late? What understanding of the gospel of the kingdom have you heard? And is there something much bigger that Jesus may be inviting you today to explore that and to step in and live out that kingdom here on earth? So here's the thing that I want us to reflect on this morning. 
Why is King Jesus asking you of his allegiance this morning? I'm going to use that word. Why is King Jesus asking you of his allegiance this morning? And I think there's three things that we could explore based on these texts. Is one, because he knows our loyalty is to a reduced gospel, a small gospel. And two, is that because he knows our loyalty has been to our flesh. And third, it's because he wants our loyalty, which could lead to human flourishing in his kingdom. And we'll get to explore all three of that as far as, as we reflect on why is King Jesus asking you of his allegiance this morning. And my hope and goal for us, even on this Palm Sunday, is to unpack the gospel of the kingdom and what Jesus desperately wants you and I to hear. And what does it look like for us, our allegiance to go to him and him alone? So let's look at our first point, And that's this. Why does Jesus want of his allegiance? It's because he knows that our loyalty is to a reduced gospel. Look at it again in John chapter 12, verse 12 to 13. The next day, the great crowd <clears throat> that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. See, Jesus, let me just give some context. Jesus' so-called triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the beginning of this Passion Week, if you really think about it, should be probably called as the tragic entry because it triggered events that led to his death. See, reports that, that Jesus, as he's entering into Jerusalem, little did we know that as he was walking into his city, he wept for his city. He loved the people in the city. He cared deeply for them. And the crowds at the time, they lined up and they cheered for Jesus as the long-expected king of Israel. But for the people there, they were expecting a political king who would lead them on a military victory against Rome at that time, who dominated and controlled everything around them. And they were hoping that if Jesus becomes that king, that eventually there'll be peace and prosperity for all the nations around there. See, they were not so intended to call Jesus the Messiah or with a spiritual kingdom who would provide forgiveness for their sins and who would be the Lord of every aspect of their personal lives. So within weeks, what we see is this. They shout right now, Hosanna, but they turn to him later and their hearts scream out, crucify him, come Good Friday. The foundation of what the message that they've been always hearing of Jesus going through and in and out of the cities and towns and healing and sharing of this gospel message. The foundation and their belief of this gospel that Jesus proclaimed, they took it, they internalized it, they interpreted it as he's, there's going to be this type of king that I specifically want. But Jesus had a whole different message that he wanted them to hear closely of. So it doesn't shock me when the people looked at King Jesus in this way. I look at that and I look at myself and how we interpreted who Jesus really is. What high hopes and expectations that we had put on Jesus that maybe something completely different from his message. And I think we are also in the same boat. 
And now for myself, growing up in the church, I myself heard the gospel message, which I firmly believe and take in. But even growing up in that, it was like, okay, get you all your doctrines and everything straight and in order. Put that in place. But I think there's something much deeper when Jesus talked about the gospel of the kingdom. And it made me actually reflect on this image of a diamond. Right, if you're familiar with a diamond, it is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's sparkling. It's, it's everything that you could imagine. Now, I've only been married for seven years, so I'm a rookie. I still have a lot to learn. But I still remember when I was going to propose to my wife that I'm going to make sure I get like the best diamond that I could possibly have. So seven years ago, I look into my bank account and I'm like, it's like negative 500. So where am I going to get the money to even purchase a diamond ring? But anyway, so in that process, I was like selling every item and every toys and every whatever you could think of, even to the point where I even sold my Hyundai Sonata, which I love deeply. And in my head, I'm thinking, why am I falling in love with the Hyundai? Sorry for those who own a Hyundai. But, <laughs> but either way, here I am selling everything that I have just so that I can go and purchase this beautiful diamond that I can give to my beautiful wife. I can give that. And if you may know, a diamond is made up of all these different facets that make it beautiful. So when I go into that diamond store, into that jewelry store to buy that diamond, I'm not just buying one facet of the diamond. I'm buying the whole diamond. See, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel itself is the whole diamond. I think when we look to Jesus and the gospel message, I think we only pick out facets of that gospel kingdom message. And how we process and internalize that is differently in how we think of who Jesus is. Because what Jesus came in was to bring the whole gospel of the kingdom message for you and I to hear. Not to pick and choose different specific facets of that. So you don't get to pick your favorite part of the gospel. You got to get the whole package, the whole diamond, the whole beauty of it. And hear me out, church. There's tensions even in that itself, hearing it. Because of the different facets of the gospel message that we pick and choose. And if we just stick to just those alone, we miss the whole picture. Maybe for some of you, the gospel that you identify with is maybe just the forgiveness only gospel. And this is the gospel, like I said, I grew up with. Three times a week you're hearing, repent of your sins, find forgiveness in Christ. When I heard this, it's true, it's absolutely true of this, but when we, when we just leave it at that, we say Christ was also presented as a Savior, but rarely has I ever been taught that He is Lord as well. And if you, and at the same time, I remember being in those kinds, we never even talked about the Holy Spirit for myself growing up. But we always emphasize that area. What happens is that this gospel produces saved people who believe that they are done. And that's it. So until they die, their main job is to just simply attend church and live morally. And from what I've seen from my own heart, and the churches that God has allowed me to pastor, if we just leave with just that only part of the gospel, it produces, I think, Pharisees. 
where we see only few special people are called to go on mission, where everyone else sits passively and puts money in the offering plate that goes by. Here's another thing. Maybe it's another type of gospel, what we call the left gospel, the liberal gospel, what has been known to be called as the social gospel, where it says to go help the needy, care for the poor, which I firmly believe that's dead center on God's heart to extend compassion and care. Even as one of the, the pastors here, as a community pastor, that's deep in my heart. Isaiah 61 resonates with me. To, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us now to proclaim good news to the poor, care for them. So I'm all, I'm all for that. But if we just take that alone and forget every other aspect of the gospel, it's very easy for us to just devote ourselves to just humanitarian concerns where the church would just follow in paths where we just become just only a nonprofit and take out all the religious parts. Then we only become like just a social club. Or maybe you fell into the gospel of heard as the prosperity gospel, <clears throat> where we heard of the many famous teachers and preachers who maybe came on the television and they said, hey, look, give your money, give your resources, and here is a tool, here is some, some, some whatever it is to make your life so much better, to get the healing that you need, to be rescued from your marriage, and what happens is if we believe in that type of gospel, it's saying that you're in control and that God is only a genie in a bottle granting you the wishes. See, then there's also this other gospel, the consumer gospel. And I think this is a temptation for many evangelical churches. And this gospel arises from the conviction that you first have to preach to people's felt needs and desires. And then later you could disciple them into teaching them what they really need. This is the gospel of how to, how to have a perfect marriage, how to raise a, a, a child, how to have a successful career, how to achieve the American dream, getting all these moral standards in place. And if we do that, what type of gospel are we putting in? Are we feeding into the consumeristic desires that leaves us behind weak and away from Christ? Or maybe finally the other gospel that we listen to is the right gospel, meaning that we're right, everyone's wrong. What do we do, church? When we hear the gospel, when we think about it, we look back in our own story. Maybe we felt like we gave back, we gave our lives to Christ maybe in summer camp or youth or some program, some place, whatever it is, whatever we gave it back, we think that's it, it's done. God can't do anything else. I'm good, I'm checked. I'm gonna go to heaven, done. But I think there's so much more. See, the gospel itself, the word gospel, was not a religious word. It was announcement. As Caesar, even at that time of Rome, used that word as an announcement to bring blessings upon the nations and in the country and for all people. So here Jesus comes and uses the word gospel. He's making an announcement, a good word, a good news, that he is the Savior, that he is the King, that we get to talk about this good gospel to all people. 
And the problem is that it hasn't come to a point where we took this gospel message, this announcement that we put it into some kind of file cabinet, put it far away and said, that's all. I did my job. Now I can go on with my own business as usual. And I think Christ wants to challenge us on that and how reduced and small we have made his gospel message. See, the gospel was meant that you give your allegiance to who Christ is. Putting away all the other false kings that we try to put dominion over our lives. The gospel is basically pointing and saying that, like as I mentioned, there is a new sheriff in town. So turn your back from the loyalties of all the other false kings that are out there. So church, hear this. If we see the gospel just as only as a transaction, we've fallen short. See, Jesus and his apostles, they told the story. Our reduced gospel proposes a transaction, a trade, whereas it says that accept Jesus, receive eternal life in heaven, be a good moral person and go to heaven when you die, give God a seed faith gift, and you will receive financial blessings. Learn these biblical tips and you'll have a happy life. Get your doctrine right and you'll prove that you are one of the predestined. But what fruits does that bear and produce? See, when Jesus and his apostles gospeled, they were proclaiming, they were proclaimed their message. They did not sell anything. Rather, they told a story. A story about a kingdom that was so big that it composed all the concerns of life. A story so compelling that millions turned from their former rebellious ways to become obedient to King Jesus and his kingdom. They told the story of how God is once again reigning on earth through his appointed King Jesus the Messiah for the blessings of all who repent and enter his kingdom. This is the Jesus that came through Jerusalem. And this is the message that he was declaring. And we missed the point. See, this gospel, yes, it forgives us. It rescues us. It changes us. But it also touches every area of your life. <laughs> your, your, your work, your activities, your friends, your relationships, even to when you're planning out to go to some kind of trip, the gospel itself touches every area of your life so that it could bear fruits now and in the resurrection. This gospel, can I tell you, is big enough for all human life. It is a gospel that's big enough for this whole world. This gospel of the kingdom touches everything that you see, the trees to the land, the oceans to the people, everything is under the kingship of Jesus. Now, if this gospel is an announcement that there is good news, that means we need to be rescued from something. And that leads me to my second point from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. Because the reality is, though, there is a kingdom that Jesus is coming and establishing of why it's good and healthy to be part of this kingdom. There's also this kingdom of darkness that he's rescuing us from. 
And then we see that from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. So that's this. That because of our loyalty, we have given to the flesh. But let me read to you Galatians 5, starting with 16 again. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And now here's the part that we hate looking at because it's speaking to our human condition. Verse 19, right? We see all the works in the flesh that's out there. And even as Paul is listing out each one of them, the list actually doesn't end there. He said even more things. (laughs) He continues even with it. Because it's speaking to our human condition. It's speaking to our nation. It's speaking to all the things that we see in and around. He said, for all who do and walk in this darkness and of the flesh, he basically said, you will not inherit the kingdom. Now, if we move on, on to verse 22 and onwards, there's another list. And I like to call that the happy list, right? It's, it's a list that we want, we desire for, that we want for our family, that we want for our children, we want for ourselves. But for that to happen, we have to give our allegiance and belief into who Christ is, the one who crucified that for us, all the things of the flesh. So it doesn't mean that we crucify our passions and desires, that we settle for something that's less, that we should actually be more passionate and want more peace, want more love, want more joy. Want more patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. In verse 23, and such is these things is no law. In 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, when we read that first list right off the bat and we look at these two lists, Man, we really hate that first one that Paul mentions. It's hard to even look at that. Maybe even as you walked into this church this morning, maybe you battled out with your wife or your husband. You got angry with your kids. or Whatever conditions that you may have walked into this room, what is the condition of your heart this morning? See, in the midst of the brokenness of this world around us, the darkness that you may feel, whether it is through relationships or through our work or whatever it may be, there is hope, there is truth, there is life. And that is the gospel of the kingdom, what he offers. Now the word, it sounds, it may sound very religious or maybe even churchy, but I think it's so important that God wants to deliver here for us to hear The thing is, I want everything of that second list that Paul mentions. I want that life. But here's the thing. Instead of me putting my allegiance to Jesus, I put myself, Justin, over all those things. I want to put myself in control. I want to be the king of my life. But if I continue to walk and pursue in that way, it leads to nothing but death and not life. Do we do the same thing? See, Jesus came, even this Palm Sunday, as we hear more about him, is that every day in our hearts, we need to declare that the kingdom, 
belongs to Jesus. We need to declare in our hearts that our allegiance is to Jesus first and foremost. But at the same time, we need to admit that we're guilty and charged. We have fed into the flesh. Because when you look at that first list of jealousy, fits, anger, envy, drunkenness, orgy, when we look at that list, all the issues, all the battles that we have with our flesh, they could look like a bunch of mountains and valleys that we are in. Maybe it is a place where you're at work, you've been working for years hard. And then your friend, your other colleague, who's maybe only been for a few years, and they got promoted. But in your heart, you're filled with rage and anger. And you want to take it out on someone. Or maybe you went to the doctor's office and they gave you bad news and it things that seem so impossible. You're filled with all sorts of anger and frustration inside of your heart. Or maybe you got the letter that you're going to be laid off. How do you feel at that moment? Or the, the, or the things that you looked at that you probably should have not looked at. The flesh comes in. We go to things that we cope into that other than God himself. So who really is the king over our lives? See, what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? See, we are called to surrender to the lordship of Jesus. This, doesn't mean, this means that we don't need a crutch. We actually need a stretcher. We need a stretcher, not a crutch. And when we believe in that and we turn to our allegiance in Christ, we're, that means we're turning over the reign over to Jesus Christ over our lives because we know we can't do anything apart from Him. See, the life that I myself was living even before coming to know who Christ is made a big difference even for the ways that I lived my life. It's hard to tell if you come and know me now, but the life that I live was so rebellious, so against God. Spending even those times in that jail cell for a couple of days, wondering and asking myself, what did I get myself into? Why am I locked up in here? I'm angry, I'm frustrated with God. Even to the point where finally I did realize that I needed a rescue. God did rescue me. He did save me. And I thank God for that. I got the gospel message. I know what he's doing. I know he's changing. I know he's renewing. I know of his forgiveness. I know what eternity looks like. But here's the thing. I believed in one aspect and one facet of the gospel. But the thing is, I didn't make him Lord over all of my life. I didn't give my complete surrender and allegiance to every area of my life. Because I was like, why is it that I believe in who Jesus is, but yet I'm still struggling in all these other dominions and areas of my life? It's because I have not made him Lord in all of those areas. I had many other kings that were still ruling and dominating in those areas. And I wrestle with this day in and day out. Here's the thing. I think what God is trying to do is helping each and every one of us as we're on our journey is to move us from an area of unbelief to a belief in the gospel in every single area of our lives. See, the problem is, even for me at that moment, I knew who Christ is. I knew what he's done. 
but my understanding of the gospel was super transactional. And this happened, like I said, when I got saved. I knew that I was part of the family, but living in that family, I felt like I always have to earn it. See, when you get saved, it's that the gospel doesn't only save, it sanctifies you. And then you're already justified through the works of Christ and you get to walk out in his forgiveness. So that means I'm daily surrendering my life over to Jesus in every domain of my life. Every morning that I wake up, we have to give our lives back to God. Because we're battling with the flesh daily, with everything. I remember now my kids, they're in preschool and they're coming to me and they're talking about the Pledge of Allegiance, which I totally forgot. We used to do that in school growing up. And my kids are repeating that back to me, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance to a flag, etc. you know. And I'm trying to remember, man, I did say that a long time ago at school. In the same way, we need to pledge our allegiance to Christ every morning that we wake up. Because there are other kings and other kingdoms of darknesses that are coming in, invading in our space that Christ has called over you. Are you willing to give your complete allegiance to King Jesus in your life? So my, my, my goal here is not to just feel you, make you feel exposed or make you feel shameful or make you just drown in your sin. See, God never did that. Even with our first parents, he never did that. Even though they were exposed of their sin, God, even in his infinite mercy and love and grace, even sacrificed an animal for them, gave them all that's needed as they left. Even to now, even to this point where Christ does, he wants to reveal that there's great hope and light in this kingdom. That this kingdom that God is offering as we give to Christ gives life and gives hope. See, Paul gives us that hope in Galatians chapter 5, 25. He says, Paul uses this if clause. He tells the Galatians that if, they're, if they are alive by the Spirit, then they are to keep in step with the Spirit. There is this idea of this marching along with the Spirit, where we go by step by step, keeping in the same rhythm. So what does that mean to walk by the Spirit? It means this. It means to have a full faith in Jesus Christ. The only one who can save, the one who obeyed the law perfectly, whose righteousness is ours by faith. This is not just a one-time decision, but this has to be a daily implication. Every day we look not to ourselves, but our goodness, our achievements, our wisdom, our failures, our excess to grant us satisfaction. But overwhelmingly, we need to turn to our faith in Christ, the one who promises who are true. And that we're dependent on him and him alone for salvation. May we meditate on the promises of Christ. So that means for us, those who walk by the Spirit, may we bathe ourselves and soak ourselves in the truth and the salvation of who Christ is. Because he is true and his kingdom is great. Because he is the only one who perfectly obeyed the law. And this life is war. It's battle. It requires us to fight the sin, the flesh that always comes over us. So what does that look like for you? Is it more of the praying? Is it more of the reading of the scripture? Probably. Or is there something more? It's deepening our trust in who Christ is and what he himself could provide for us. 
So that means every part of our life, every decisions, every ambition, we turn it over to Christ. Our allegiance is to Him, trusting in Him. And this finally leads to my final point, is that the kingdom of this darkness that's confronting and challenging us, that when we live in the light of this gospel of the kingdom, in the middle of this darkness, His light will shine, and it can shine even upon you. Look at point three, because our loyalty to King Jesus actually leads to human flourishing in his kingdom. Look at Galatians 22 to 25 again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the flesh with the passions of the desire. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And that's the happy list that we put out. But look at Galatians chapter 6, 7 to 8. Paul continues on the next chapters. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will, will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. See, the kingdom speaks to our heart. When Jesus talks about the kingdom, he was talking about when humans, we flourish under his kingdom. Meaning that God is king, whether we accept it or not. <laughs> we could push back, but it doesn't matter because God is not insecure. The gospel of the kingdom is for us, not for God. Every one of us is worshiping some wrong kings that are out there. Maybe we've given our heart and allegiance to a false king. But the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus offers is something so rich and beautiful that he's calling upon for each and every one of us. So in the kingdom of darkness, there can be this light that could only be found in the kingdom of Jesus that he gives and, and promises to us. See, so your allegiance to this kingdom this allegiance that he, that he is asking of you is not some random idea. It is to a person. The gift of the gospel is Jesus himself. It's not just the forgiveness or better life. That Part of that, all that does come along. But the gospel is you get Jesus himself. So what do you want this morning? Think about what do you want. Maybe you're giving your allegiance to something else other than King Jesus. What would it look like to turn away from those false kings and put complete allegiance to this kingdom that he is offering, that he is giving freely for you and I, so that he could desire to see you flourish in life? Being able to make Jesus literally your boss over every area, every domain of your life. What does it look like to walk in his spirit now as he teaches you of patience, of love, of kindness? And I get it, the, the gospel, all that it brings to it. And we deeply want it. And it's so hard to live out that gospel daily because we see the darkness of this false kingdom that's around us. Jesus wants to reign himself over every area of your life. 
Because he wants to see you flourish. He wants to see you do well. He wants to give you all of him to you. Why not take the full gospel of the kingdom? Not just pieces of it, but the full gospel of the kingdom. And allow him to reign over every aspect of your life. That means we have to be intentional in our ways. Because our natural instinct, apart from the spirit, is to be of, to go to the flesh. And that's why I think Paul here sums it up pretty well in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 8, where Paul basically says, know this, that God cannot be mocked. And this, I reflected on this and what Paul was trying to mention as he's talking about sowing and reaping. Uh, I was fixing up or creating like an office in my house, a home office. And as I'm purchasing all the furniture, we had to put the paint up eventually soon. I ordered these plants, which I thought were fake plants. But when I, reality is when those plants came, they were real plants. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. That means I have to take care of this. I have to water it. I have to put food. I just wanted fake plants that could look pretty and make room bright and nice. But here it is. Here's some plants that I have to actually take care of. I have to feed it. I have to give water to it. I have to let it give life. So in the same way, what are we sowing into? <laughs> into our souls. Are we allowing King Jesus to reign in all those areas of our lives? Are we willing to give over our relationship, our marriage, our children, our house, our finances, everything over to King Jesus? Because he is king over all of that. Are you willing to give your allegiance to him in those areas? Because the kingdom speaks of all of that. His kingdom. Because this is the announcement that he is king. I'm going to call the worship team to come up as I come to a close this morning so let me plead with you this is the good news of the gospel it is not just a bunch of lists for a better and moral life it is far much more greater we're talking about the person of jesus that he wants to give off to you he wants to give himself to you. And that is the beauty of this gospel. It is rich. It is healthy. It is forever to change your life. Because the life of the kingdom will bring no matter what light into those dark areas. And hopefully for you, you would turn to Christ and give your allegiance to him. So like I said, I'm not sure what you're going through, what you're facing, what you're dealing with, but you came here and here is the message of the gospel that he freely gives to you and I because we need it. Maybe you're grieving, maybe you're struggling with some kind of sin that is hard to break from. And you know, as you look at that list of the flesh, how, how deeply it is killing and destroying it. You want to free yourself. Are you willing to give your allegiance to King Jesus and allow his light to shine upon those areas so that he may help you to walk in his spirit? So I ask again, where in your life do you need to give your allegiance to King Jesus? And if we look throughout all of scripture, man has always been wandering because we're always looking for home. Where is our home? Home is a place where you can have and you can go to and you can take in. Home is also a, a heavy word as well because it's filled with different smells and sounds and memories of pain and hope as well. And I think God, he knows that he is establishing a new home, a new throne, a new place 
seeking to create a home, a household where God and his creatures can live abundantly. That is the gospel of the kingdom that he lays out. I know we may be looking for a home. May that home be the kingdom of God, where our king is King Jesus over area of our lives. So that we may not be the people who just simply say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And a couple of days Lord, we just say crucify him. Because our instinct is to go to that quickly. May we say that he is king and king of lords. May we, his name be praised forever and ever. Jesus could take the words crucify him. And he accomplished that for us. And we'll see that soon on Good Friday. And as he accomplishes that, as he dies himself on that cross, he rises again on Easter Sunday. So church, may we turn our hearts. May we turn our allegiance to Jesus in every aspect, every area of our lives. May we be kingdom makers. May we be the ones who live out this gospel truth in every area of our lives. May we not just take this gospel message, put it in our religious cabinet, and forget about it and wait until we're ready to go to heaven. You now, given by the Spirit of God, could be these change makers over here right now. Every aspect of your life, every place that you step for, step in the foot of the Spirit of God. Let me pray for you guys. Gracious and Heavenly Father, I thank you again, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this church, this community. Ultimately, Lord, we thank you for this gospel. This message that, Lord, maybe for many of us, we've, been, we've heard over and over again. May this time be different. May my friends here, myself, I know there's still areas of unbelief in my area. I want to turn to you. I want to give it to you, Jesus. I need you to be the king over those. For the same thing for my friends here. If there's areas now, may they turn to you. May they give this to you. May they repent of their ways. Turning from the flesh. Be able to walk in the spirit of God. So Lord, watch over us. Continue to guide us. May your spirit lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.